Life is magical. Welcome to Magic Monday. I'm Tess Whitehurst, spiritual author and spiritual teacher. And I'm Natasha Levenger, energy healer, energy reader, and spiritual coach. And this is a podcast about all the ways we experience and use the magic of the universe in our everyday lives. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to us. Welcome back. I'm so happy to be back. It feels like I just still feel from the pandemic, it still feels like time has not returned to what it was before the pandemic. Do you feel that at all? I do. But then I also wonder, was it ever really Mm -hmm. stable? And will it ever return? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, was it ever? I mean, it's it's not even a real thing. Time. It's. Yeah, it's hard for me to really have a sense of what normal time perception is. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I didn't experience that before the pandemic, I don't think. As, See, I, now as I'm much, not sure. As much. Well, I, I definitely remember when the pandemic started where it was like, what is time? What are yeah. days? Yes. What, 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 what? And I still yes. feel like this week feels, the week's never rarely feel like an actual week well like these last two weeks it seems like it's been a really long time though this time doesn't it that's what i mean like that feels like it's been like two months (laughs) i know it does (laughs) (laughs) but i took a trip so that there's that too yeah i went to i went to long beach and then california and then went to my hometown in california and there were a lot of parts of that journey and it was the first time I've been on a trip for a very long time. So there's that. I feel like trips always make time seem weird. Definitely. But I didn't go anywhere. Mm. <laughs> so I don't have that reason. And yeah. How, I don't even remember what the cards were from last week, but do you want to tell our listeners <laughs> what you've been? Has there been any like theme you've been working yeah. on? Yeah. Well, we didn't have cards for last week because we had a break. Right. I meant two weeks ago. So yeah, I, I don't guess remember it either. Yeah. I didn't check because they weren't for this last week. Yeah. Um. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The trip. The trip that I went on, I feel I, I feel like it just like getting out of the space where I've been for the last year, over a year and a half. Yeah. It like all of like a lot of the stuff I've been learning and ways I've been evolving like there was deeper clarity with a lot of stuff because I I mean I think trips always kind of they refresh they often will like refresh your perspective or give you deeper insights but this particular time I mean it was really beautiful Mm. to see it was beautiful to take the trip and to see everybody Mm. and then after not getting to see them for so long it was just I I just felt like, oh, I'm just happy for everybody to be exactly as they are Mm. and for me to be exactly as I am. Mm. Like if they're different, like because, you know, family, like they're not always exactly Mm. like you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I just felt so happy. (laughs) I just felt so happy just for them all to be exactly as they Mm. are. I didn't want them to be any different. It was wonderful. That's really and then and then like I there were a lot of things that came into focus like, um, I mean I was thinking about fireworks how we watched fireworks there was like a town fireworks and then the next night my family set off fireworks in the parking lot of the funeral chapel, 
And um, I was remembering how I was always afraid of fireworks as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like I would cry (laughs) and my brother would love them. Were Mm -hmm. you? How did you feel about fireworks? No, I loved fireworks, fireworks, but my oldest child hates them, is scared of them. Oh, yeah. I was, I, and I've always been afraid of loud noises. Mm -hmm. Like I just kind of was more aware of that because I felt like in the past I've tried to tell Ted he would want to go see fireworks and I wouldn't. And I wasn't able to articulate or connect. Like I've always been afraid of fireworks. I've never loved them. But this particular time, I don't know, I did enjoy them too. Like I was able to tune into like, this makes me a little uncomfortable, Mm. but I also was able to enjoy it. And then somehow that just put my sensitivity into focus in this way where I had compassion for myself because mm. it was like I, I also was remembering how my dad would always give me a hard time about it like you're too sensitive and yeah. like I really don't want to hear you crying again <laughs> you know? oh my God. and this time it was like you know that's how I was and that's totally fine and that's yeah. like a part of my personality yeah yeah I think that's really important to be aware of it's hard it's it is i understand um i was just gonna say something i didn't think i was gonna say which was i understand (laughs) how your dad felt (laughs) 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 only because and my first reaction was like oh that's terrible you know denying (laughs) your reality but then i was like tuning into my oldest child who has so many sensitivities and of course I never said that to her but it was just like I always probably way more than you I think but I always had to be aware of like oh god we're gonna go here and this is gonna upset her and like upset oh, them and yeah. like, this is gonna upset them and this is good you know it was just like always like if we would if I had to go to the bathroom when she was a child I was like oh no I hope nobody, like when she was a baby or toddler, I'd be like, oh, no, I hope no one sets off the, um, you know, the the dryer. Like she would just start crying the yeah, second the dryer went Yeah, I was afraid of the on. vacuum. Oh, I was yeah. terrified of the vacuum. I didn't want to get my hair cut because I was afraid of the sound of the blow dryer. Oh, I had nightmares wow, about the street like sweeper. Oh, like wow. loud, loud noises were oh, really, wow. <laughs> but I, part of why yeah. I remembered was because my brother insisted on getting a piccolo Pete. Remember, you know, know Piccolo Pete? Those uh-uh. are the, they just make a super loud noise. That's all they do. Uh, they don't even have pretty uh, fireworks. Uh. It's just like this loud, like whistling sound. Yeah. And they were the worst to me. I was terrified of them as a kid. And yeah. my brother got them and then set it off first and was like, that's for old time's sake. <laughs> I think uh, he was no. remembering how I used to always cry because he loves fireworks. I mean, that's so weird. He you're loves bringing them. that up because I feel like that's kind of mean. That's for old yeah, time's sake. Yeah, but we're kind of like, as grown-ups, we're kind of mean to each other, but in a loving way. Mm-hmm. It was funny to me. Well, it's funny that you're <laughs> saying that because I was just thinking about in when I was in junior high, my best friend at the time, and then high school, like, she was, her family was mean. They, like, would joke in these mean ways, a little worse than that, but, and she was mean like that. And I was literally just thinking this week how I don't like that. And, like, she has another Uh, friend that's really mean. And talk about sensitive. Like, I'm very sensitive about that. Like, it feels terrible when people – not what your brother said, like – but kind of like I wouldn't have liked that. I wouldn't have liked that. I would have been like, well, why do you have to – why is that for me? Why is that bad that I felt that way? Why do we have to – 
and I'm not saying that was wrong that he said that, like you two have that relationship, but just for yeah, me it was in no way didn't hurt my feelings. Yeah, I believe that. But, but I'm just saying like you were sensitive to noise and I wasn't. I'm sensitive to words. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I don't like it when people are mean. Like I'm and I remember very acutely. It's funny because I really was just going over this like acutely as a teenager when people when I get around people who were mean to each other like that, I would feel so uncomfortable because it didn't feel authentic to laugh because I didn't think it was funny. I was like, this isn't funny. This is just me. And I didn't like it. I feel like with my brother, like we have, my brother and I love each other so deeply. (laughs) Like it's hard to explain the depth of our love. So there's actually like something funny about it when we're mean to it. Like we like to kind of be mean. I get that. Yeah, kind of yeah, like, now you, that you, you know that. I love you like a ridiculous amount. Oh. So when I'm being mean to you, it's funny. You know what I mean? Yeah, actually, Brett and I <laughs> do that. Actually, I mean like that to Brett sometimes and as a joke. And he thinks it's so funny because we are so we so yeah. don't have that relationship. Yeah, so I guess that's what, I mean. what it's like, like. Like we still laugh about this time when it was years ago. I mean, it was like 20 years ago when he was like, Bubba, I made, he calls me Bubba. He was yeah. like, Bubba, I made you a fortune cookie. <laughs> and it was, it was like a dog treat and taped onto it. It said, quit blabbing. Like a little piece of paper that was taped yeah. on that said, quit blabbing. <laughs> and it That's just made cute. me laugh so hard for so long. And oh we're still like, God. remember that time you made me a fortune cookie? Oh, my God. <laughs> that I understand. Okay. And you explained it, so I understand it. You know what? I'm thinking of something terrible, which is like, this is the kind of meme I'm talking about. It's so not what you're talking about. Okay. And <laughs> I guess trigger warning about talk of suicide but um you know i was suicidal when i was 15 for a while and i was like staying away from this particular friend of mine and i went back to her house after many months because i was feeling better and her she was like my stepdad said i opened the drawer to um like cut something you know like cut a piece of bread or like a sandwich and she was like my stepfather said, um, I better put the knives away since you're coming over. Oh. Like, and she thought that was so funny. And, like, she was laughing about it. And I was just like, ugh. Like, they thought that was that hilarious joke. Put the knives away. Like, I was going to, you know, try to kill myself. And it was just like that. But that was, like, their kind of humor with each other. But it was like. Yeah. I was suicidal. Like, I really yeah. was like, that wasn't just a joke. It's that kind right. of just like mean spirited. And we definitely didn't have the foundation of love to back right, that up. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And it's just mean humor. Anyway, we went off on a tangent there. That is very different. <laughs> I mean, just to bring it back, like, um, the other day and Brett hardly ever does it back to me like usually it's me who who says like ridiculous mean things to him just because it's I don't mean it but the other day we were listening to something and he was like just, and he what did he, he was like shut up like just like, shut up and, he, and I just was laughing it made me laugh so hard <laughs> He because of the thing the like me and my brother yeah, exactly yeah, totally, and he didn't yeah. mean it at all it was just like what the fuck's wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right well on that note 
Um, yeah, what about you, though? We just talked about oh, what how about have me? you been. I mean, you yeah. know, I feel like I've been, just like in the pandemic, have had major life transformations every five days, it seems like. It's like a yeah. new realization, a new layer is falling off, a new... So <clears throat> it's been like kind of up and down with the transformations. But I'm in a phase right now where I am... I keep having these dreams... <laughs> these ridiculous dreams with famous people that are basically telling me uh, affirming that I'm in my psyche I'm working on owning my um how amazing I am like really like accepting oh. myself for how like oh it's time to just own it yeah which like I shining feel like light. yeah shining my light which I and actually this has been the case for the last few days, and I think there's something astrologically going on with that. I think Mars and Venus are both in Leo, um, so which is all about shining your light. Leo's like, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but I had like a dream that Amy Schumer. I was feeling insecure about something that I did, like I did a performance, and then she was like, "What are you doing? You know that you're great, so just why are you pretending? Aww. It's weird." Like, like she was kind of being uh, critical about it. And then I was like, oh, God, why am I doing that? That's embarrassing. I shouldn't pretend I'm not what I am. Oh, yeah. And then I had a dream that James Taylor and I were performing. <laughs> at oh. a, we're singing, but we were singing a Rolling Stone song and neither one of us had the um, had the music in front of us. We were just trying to remember it and we weren't doing a good job. <laughs> And I was like going, should do, should do, but do. Like I was trying to do uh, Mick Jagger shattered? while do stuff. It was, Were yeah. It was, shattered? I think it was, um, well, I don't know. It, it, I, I think actually it was Miss You. And it was part, it, like the part where mm. he's just like, sometime I say to myself, I, say, I miss <laughs> you. You know, like he's just, yeah. and I was like, and yeah. I was doing it just like that where I was like, I don't, I don't think I know what I'm doing here. And I was just, kind of, <laughs> but I also wasn't really embarrassed either. And I was just like, um, at the end, James and I met up because we were for some reason standing like 15 feet apart from each other. And I was like, we should probably get the music. And he was like, yeah, I'll go get it from my car. <laughs> but, so it was like this dream where it's like, oh, I was out there. I didn't do a good job and it was okay. You know, yeah, it was like, we're that. fine. We're fine. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking at right now. And it's so funny because I just look down and I'm surrounded by like eight crystals that I've picked up and have <laughs> been holding on to for different, like there's eight different crystals in front of me. <laughs> so I'm reaching out for support. <laughs> it's not always easy. <laughs> and that's what's happening. I love it. All right. Cool. Right. Well, okay. We didn't... So, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So, let's mention we have a guest a little later on in the show. Oh, yes, Laura. we do. Mm hmm. Vesta. Um, hold on. I realized that I didn't. Oh, but I'm going to read her bio later. Yeah, a little later. Lara Valeda Vesta, she's going to talk to us about ancestral healing. That's right. I'm so excited to talk to her. We've had a person on before, to, uh, I think it was San Elias, to talk about ancestral mm -hmm. healing. Yeah. But um, she has a very different, um, like, you know, there's so many ways to do it, you know. And she has a different 
a different take, I would say, than he did. One that I personally resonate with more. So I'm really excited to talk to her about that. Yeah, I'm interested. Um. So, yeah. So now let's talk about our stuff. Great. You go first. So, <laughs> so I have a book coming out in September, The Self-Love Superpower, The Magical Art of Approving of Yourself No Matter What. Yeah. So I'm really excited about this book. It was um, – I feel like that was even part of – what yeah. I was kind of processing, like the stuff I learned. Because yeah. I, when I write stuff down, it's stuff I've learned, but then it, I kind of like learn it in a deeper way, mm-hmm. you know, when I write Definitely. it, kind of crystallize it. And so this was the first time since I've written that book that I've been home to visit my family. So it was really fun to be like, oh, I'm, because like, for example, I'm, I cry a lot and I'm really sensitive. And so at dinner, I was telling everybody the feeling of joy I was having to see them. I was like, I just feel this joy just upwelling. It's like a waterfall of joy. And then my uncle Al teased me because he's, yeah. you know, he just is not real demonstrative. They're, most of them are not. Yes. So, But this time I was like, oh, Uncle Al is teasing me because he's mm. Uncle Al and that's what he does. And this yeah. is what I do. You know, it's okay yeah. that I offer this aspect of my personality to a family who doesn't really totally talk about feelings a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's, I just really, this is a special book to me because um, it's just about being your awkward self. If you feel awkward, feeling awkward, <laughs> if you feel different, feeling different and finding ways to have compassion for yourself in many different situations and it, I tell a lot of personal stories in it mm. and I think it's really inspiring so I hope you enjoy it you can pre-order it now on Amazon yeah. and you can find it at testbyhearse.com yeah pre-ordering is very helpful for the author so it would be great if you could do that Thank um, you. And, oh you're welcome so for me, um, I think that what I will say is it would be great if you want, if you're interested in my inner child healing class to get on the mailing list now, because I will be doing it, I believe, in a little less than a month. I can't believe August is upon us. Um, so like mid-August, I would say, like the 15th, I think. Um, so yeah, if you get on the mailing list, I usually do a little, uh, the wait list, I should say, I usually do a little, um, uh, early bird special for those people. And essentially, I will just say that, like, what I've heard from people is the class helps people feel, um, more integrated, more secure, more able to handle things that are coming up, and also more joy to experience more joy because the wounded inner child, it, when we hear it and listen to it and allow those feelings to come out and find out how to support it better, then we can allow the non wounded inner child more space to come out and feel joy and happiness and creativity and all of that. So um, and I give a lot of tools on how to do this. Um, and yeah, so you can sign up for that wait list on my website at highestlighthealing.com. Or you can just sign up for the regular mailing list on there. Whatever you want. Um, okie dokie. So shall we d- take a quest? Oh, wait, we should tell people that if they want to leave a review, we would really appreciate it. Um, on Apple Podcasts or is that what it's called now? 
Yeah. Apple. <laughs> and or wherever you listen. Um, although I don't know that you can leave reviews in other places, but um some it of really, them. Yeah. It helps people to find us. You can follow us on Spotify, I think is what it is. Um, but it really helps people to find us and we really would love more people to find us. I mean, why not? Yeah. Um, so, and we're so grateful for these reviews. We love them. We read them all, and we appreciate them all. We really do. And um, and if you'd like to sign up for a newsletter, I send out a newsletter Monday mornings when a new episode drops, and I include a picture of each of the cards that we draw for the week, so you can see the visuals of those and learn about our guests. And you can sign up for our newsletter at magicmondaypodcast.com and also when you click in our on our bio in Instagram. And um, there was one more thing I was going to say, but I forget what it is now. Oh, ask okay. us a question. <laughs> you can ask us a question oh, yeah. at magicmondaypodcast.com and you can also call us at... 828-333-7181. 828-333-7181. I almost forgot it. It had been so long. Two whole weeks. Um, so speaking of which, shall we listen to this voicemail? Since we have a guest, we'll just maybe do the voicemail and then we'll answer other questions next week. Sounds Perhaps. good. I mean, I think we have a guest next week, too. Do we? Probably. I think so. Okay. All right. So let's listen to it. Hi, Tess and Natasha. My name is Nisha. How did each of you get started doing what you do as your profession? And also, what is your favorite branch of metaphysics? Thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, <laughs> you're smiling at me. Do you want to go first? Or sure. What? So do you want me to tell the story of me having an yeah, maybe issue briefly. answering this question? <laughs> at first, I felt... Like, I didn't know why, but I didn't want to answer this question. I wasn't sure what was blocking me. But then I, Natasha suggested that I do some internal family systems work, which is where you tune in to different aspects of yourself, like the inner child, but just see who's there, you know, like who's present mm -hmm. and what do they have to say. And when I did that, I discovered that the conflict was with my inner adolescent and my inner priestess so like my inner priestess was like this is a sacred path like this is a really sacred thing that you've been offering and doing it's like your career is all part of your spirituality and then the inner adolescent was like this is a really cool thing I want everyone to know how cool it is <laughs> mm -hmm. and they were at odds because it was like the priestess was like no it's not about being cool and the inner adolescent was like, no, it's definitely about being cool. <laughs> so it was like, instead of like being aware of that, I just like, was like, no, for some reason there, I can't talk about that. If there yeah. was like a roadblock. So then once I tuned into it uh, and let the, those two aspects of my personality kind of work it out, mm -hmm. then the inner adolescent was like, all right, the priestess can talk about this and I can just sit quietly and feel like it's cool. Oh, so because she wanted the adolescent was like, it's cool. So we can't talk about it. 
no, the adolescent was like, oh, let me talk about it because I want to show uh, how cool it is. And the oh, priestess was it, like, uh, no, we're not talking about it like that. Oh, got it, got it. Okay. <laughs> so now, but now the inner adolescent is like, if the priestess talks about it and the sacredness of it, I will still feel cool even if I don't have to speak. Yeah, that's great. Don't get to speak. Yeah. So yeah. – well, before you go on, that. I do I do just want to say that's a really I'm really glad you talked about it like this because a lot of times when I will talk to people about <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm laughing at myself because I just grabbed another crystal from the as oh. I'm talking. I don't know what's going what on. Kind? I'm just Which like Which one? Well this time I grab lapetalite. I thought of lipidolite. That I was like, really? I feel like it's lipidolite. Oh. I wonder if it is. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> I'm just like grabbing them from all over. Anyway. Um, what I want to say is a lot of times when I talk to people about, okay, you know, you talk out loud to your inner child and you talk to your inner parent, you talk to your inner crit, like uh, sometimes people will be like, well, am I a split personality? What is it? Mm. You know, like well, I, I'm worried I'm going to find out like, like this is going to feel too much like I'm, I have some kind of mental disorder <laughs> Yeah, and, and there's no problem if you do, but you probably don't. Most people don't. Um, I mean, there is, if there's, a, I'm not saying there's no problem, like you should definitely get help if you're feeling that way. But the truth is that the difference in my understanding, and actually we got this question on the listener page on Facebook. Um, from my understanding, the difference is that people with dissociative disorder think they are those parts. So like, then they, they feel like they start like they the inner adolescent and like they think they are that as yeah. opposed to oh these parts are all living inside me and the more I can unite them and get them in communication with each other and feel that then the more whole I'm gonna feel and the more right. I, I yeah feel complete. well and the idea is that in er- internal family systems is that you sit in the seat of the self and then that's you the see goal who else yes. is yeah, but when you're communicating, you know, with these yes. different aspects and and it's like if there is conflict, like something feels a little weird like so, with that situation. It's like, I don't know, I don't I'm not clear on it, but for some reason I don't want to answer that question. That's an example. Then then looking into, well, why it's like then you stop having to have like the um these parts taking over in a way. Yes, you know what I mean? Exactly. And sometimes they do, not because you have dissociative disorder, but just right. because there's maybe some kind of imbalance or not a total clarity or groundedness or mm-hmm. trauma. Mm-hmm. And so it's a way of kind of going, oh, you know, like this is what's here. Yeah. Well, exactly. You kind of come into yourself more. You open up energy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I've, something I've been having, I've been saying a lot this week is that it's very similar to, by, by it's very similar to like if you're not expressing an emotion and it gets stopped up you kind of it's like it actually gets bigger like if you're not Uh paying attention to your sadness you actually gets bigger it can come out sideways like you'll get you know start crying at something and you're like why am I crying about this but if you give it a voice if you're like here you go sadness what do you want to you know okay I'm gonna allow my sadness out then it gets less not more it gets you know yeah and it's the same thing with these parts of ourselves and it's that is the same thing as inner child healing is you want to have the inner parent be the loudest voice so you want the self in this case in that work 
to be the part that's witnessing with love. Oh, let me see what's going on here. As opposed to like, oh, I am the inner child, which is what it can feel like when you, um, you know, have those emotions. So when you're overcome by the emotions, they call that, you know, I've said this before, and they also say it's so similar, like to be merged with that part. That still doesn't mean you're, yeah, it's just that you're having disassociation. It just means that you're, the inner parent or the self is not big enough. Yeah, like so many branches of metaphysics, it's a way of becoming aware of invisible, what was previously invisible. Yes. Then you have a tool for, because we know we're complex. We know that one day we feel one way and one day we feel another way and then one day we're like, why did I say that? I I normally would never think I would do that. You know, we yes. know we're those complex beings. So it's a way of kind of giving a voice and an image to these different aspects of ourselves so we can come into greater harmony. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I finished that thought, which was that by if when you let the voice speak, you're not like going to become that voice. You're actually becoming less that voice. That voice is getting less strong by allowing it to have its voice. Whereas before, just like with the emotions, if it's not, if you're not allowing it to speak, it just gets louder, louder, louder. Yeah. So then you can bring all these parts into harmony, let them all have a voice and be like, what's the conflict? How can we solve that? And then everyone can all these different parts of you can bring their talents and gifts too to the table. Yes. Okay. So how'd you get started? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now that we've talked about that. Yeah. um, Well, I had been interested in magic and metaphysics for a long time. Like since I was in college in acting school, I was uh, even before that I was I learned about Buddhism when I was in high school and I started Mm -hmm. meditating in high school. Like I found Mm -hmm. Buddhist books at this one bookstore in my small town and there were no witchcraft books. If there were, I would have been all over that. I would have Mm -hmm. had to hide them from my mom. But I did look for them at the college library. (laughs) Mm. This was before the everyone had the Internet. Anyway, so then um, when I was 25, I heard about the book Clear Your Clutter with Feng Shui at the Northern California Women's Herbal Symposium. Someone mentioned it. Oh, you were just visiting. Like you were as a, you were a guest. I was taking a class at the Northern California Women's Herbal Symposium. And the teacher was like, you guys should read Clear Your Clutter with Feng Shui. Mm -hmm. And then... I was working in L.A. at the time. I was teaching dance and gymnastics to preschoolers all over town, like at different preschools. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I was driving home. I was like, on the way home today, I'm going to go buy Clear Your Clutter with Feng Shui. Mm. And then I got stuck in traffic. I mean, like, you always get stuck in traffic in L.A., but this was one of those, like, three hours to drive five minutes type of situation. And I was like, no, not today. I'm not going to the bookstore today. I mean, I'd, it might not have been three hours. Just really extreme. Yeah. It's like not going to the bookstore today. And I turned on NPR. And then as soon as I turned it on, they were talking about feng shui Whoa. on NPR. Wow. So I was like, okay, I'm going to buy that book. So oh, I went to wow. buy that book and I read it. And then I, Ted and I lived in a little apartment and I have no idea how we had so much clutter. I mean, I just cleared so much stuff for so long. And I must have been like, who are you? What? Ted must have been like, who are you? Like, Like, well, 
I mean, I, I would clean. Oh. It was like, it wasn't a dirty house. It was just like, we just had a bunch of stuff that I didn't really love or want. Okay. And like in the closets and under the bed and stuff like that. And so I cleared so much and it talks about energy clearing too. I cleared the space. Mm. And after I did that whole thing, which took a while to really shift the energy in the space, I did a ritual. Oh, I, I must have also gotten feng shui for dummies around that time because the ritual was for from feng shui for dummies. And it was a like a red sheet ritual that you put in between your box spring and your mattress oh, uh-huh. and you empower it with an intention. Mm-hmm. And I empowered it with the intention to discover what I wanted to do as a career because oh, at that yeah. stage, I didn't want to be an actress anymore. I didn't want to teach dance and gymnastics forever. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really know. Yeah. So I did that. And then like, the next day or something, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to feng shui school. Oh, wow. So that was kind of how it all started. I love that. That's a real clear. Well, wait, can you just tell us, because I don't know the story about your first book. So how did that happen? Yeah. So, I mean, I had been practicing feng shui for a while and um, like professionally, yeah. and I was starting to feel pretty comfortable because I would see I would do feng shui for people and then I would hear back from them that things were going great and that yeah. they loved it or I would come do a follow-up and kind of just really sense that stuff had shifted. Yeah. So I was starting to feel more confident with what I was doing and um, and I had been merging my feng shui practice with my understanding of energy mm-hmm. from doing magic and ritual. So um, so I, I, I mean... I started writing after I traded with an angel therapist who was like, you need to set a timer for 90 minutes a day and just write whatever mm. you want to write. Oh, right. And it was like <laughs> within not not long after I started doing that, I had written Magical Housekeeping. Oh, wow. And so then you sent it to Llewellyn and they wanted that, mm-hmm. how that happened. And I got it. Yeah, I, I wrote an article before that for them and then, oh, okay. and then the book – and then just to follow up with the second part of the question, I think my favorite branch of metaphysics is still feng shui. Oh, wow. Feng shui, energy clearing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it's <clears throat> all connected, you know, but I, I always come back to that. You guys know that. I talk yeah. about clutter clearing all the time. Yeah. Well, my path um is much more windy, I feel like. I mean, um, <clears throat> I was... As I mentioned earlier, the it was actually after I again trigger warning about suicide, but it was after I realized that I wasn't going to do it. So I do want to just be clear: I was not um, uh, uh, clinically depressed. It was just this terrible situation with my mother. It was really, really awful. She was very rejecting of me. And I was like, um, you know, and because I wasn't performing the way she wanted me to. And I, so I, I essentially went through this period where I was like, well, then fuck you. I'm not going to do anything. And I was doing really terribly in school. And I just kind of gave up. And then I started to get really depressed because then I turned around myself why I'm terrible because I'm not what she wants me to be. And she did not like me. And, um, it was really, really awful. And then suddenly one day I realized it wasn't going to happen. I wasn't going to do it. And I was like, if I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to kill myself. Then I need to figure out how to be happy in the world. I need to figure out how. Yeah. I, yeah. And I was, th- I was 15. 
until I started di- just diving into meditating and I found Sinea Roman's books, which were so amazing. Living with Joy is the first one. I think actually that was the only one out at that point. Um, and I think that was the first book, but I was, I just be, I saw psychics. <laughs> um, I did all kinds of spiritual work. I, um, eventually like when I was 21, I found inner child healing and, um, and, um, and then much later, actually, it was like, I don't know, I don't know, like a few years later, six, seven years later, I found the work that I do now. I was like, well, I want to learn how to do psychic stuff. And, um, what I really found when I did the work that I do was it actually really taught me about boundaries and, um, and knowing myself better. And so it wasn't, I thought I was going into it to, like figure out like why is that boy <laughs> not love me back or something you know why yeah. am I having such a hard time but it really ended up being about me and finding loving myself more and boundaries and all of that but that was never I never intended that to be my career the whole time I was um first I wanted to be an actress and I was um doing that and I was writing and because of wanting to be an actress that's when I started writing actually I started writing stuff for myself and that did was my career for a while as a writer and I did improv and da 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 but then eventually I realized that like that isn't the career I want I love writing I still love writing but I did not love the feeling of the career it just didn't feel good to me and I was doing at that point I had been doing what I do now the um you know my energy healing practice for for many years um I was trading with my um the my teacher actually and then doing it for friends sometimes um but I was like maybe I I think that this is like where my passion is is like expanding this into to being my career so that's I guess how that happened and then as I started to do it for people my sessions the healing work it was the inner child came up like every single time it was just so clear in the energy field and so I started using that and in the practice so yeah that's how it happened. Cool. My favorite branch, I don't, I mean, for me, I don't know if this is a branch, but for me, it's like connecting to um, spirit. So mm-hmm. whatever way that is for me, it's like communicating with spirit, meditating, doing whatever helps me to get there. Because that's really what saved me from you know, that's what really saved me, I would say, saved my life is my connection to spirit, which I always had. I mean, like when I was five, I heard, I don't know, like guides or someone tell me that I was going to get through this and I was going to be stronger. And I've always had that faith and like felt that yeah. their presence. So that's what saved me that and my cats. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. For real, my cats really taught me a lot of love. So that's the answer to your question. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it. thank you. And we'll get to more of your questions next week. And thank you for submitting them. Okay, so now we're going to talk to our guest, Laura Valeda Vesta. So I will read her bio. 
Laura Valena Vesta, MFA, is an artist, author, storyteller, and educator transforming chronic illness into a path of healing and reclaiming. She is the author and illustrator of the Moon Divas Guidebook, the Moon Divas Oracle, and the newly released Wild Soul Runes, Reawakening the Ancestral Feminine. Her research interests include ancestral connection, myth-telling, and disability as initiation, and she's currently creating a mythic book on death transitions. Her path of myth, folk magic, ancestor love, and ritual practice is shared through, through classes at the Wild Soul School and her patron community. Okay, we are so excited to be here with you, Lara Valena Vesta, and um, you do so many things, as I read in your bio before we started here, but um, I took your, do you call it ancestral healing class, or how did you? Living Ancestral Connection. Living Ancestral Connection, that's much better um, (laughs) than what I said. Um, And we have had an ancestral um, healing person on before who we really love, but I connected much more for whatever reason with how you did it. I think because maybe yours was a little felt more secular or something like Mm -hmm. his had the the Bible front and center, which I personally do not resonate with. My ancestors Um, do resonate with the Bible. Yours. (laughs) Yeah. My, my particular ancestors. (laughs) Yeah. And well, mine are all Jewish, so Mm -hmm, they do mm -hmm. not. (laughs) Um, But I have so many questions, but the first one is maybe, um, I don't, I'm just going to ask it. Why do you, like, why ancestral healing for people who are new to it or ancestral connection? um, What is your perspective in terms of why it's important or how it's informed your life? That's such a good question. And, um, you know, really for me, I always just talk about my, my path, my journey. That's my work is just to share kind of my, (laughs) my strange and winding path. And then maybe it's helpful for some folks. So, um, I've been yearning for spirituality my whole life and the dominant historical religions just really, um, my, my, most recent ancestors also resonate with them, but I did not. As a child, I grew up in a very rural area out in the woods all the time, and that really spoke to me. I also grew up with myth and fairy tales. I was a big reader because we didn't have television reception, so um, (laughs) it gave me this magical world that I was constantly inhabiting, and I was yearning for something else, some sort of root to that magic that I was feeling constantly. And I think when you are a person of European descent, growing up in uh, colonized land, it becomes really difficult to connect with anything that is ancient and magic in your own lineage. It's just not present in our culture. Mm. you know, again, the dominant historical religions were there and accessible to me, but I, I found myself, you know, my mom, bless her, let me check out all of the occult books from the tiny little library in our rural town. And (laughs) 
I read them all and I couldn't find anything in there that was really speaking to me. And it, it took a long time for me to come into a realization that what I was looking for were my people, were my ancestors who mm. have memories of these traditions, this folklore, this magic that extend back prior to written history and that I could connect with them because they live inside of me. They live in yeah. my body. Yeah. So that to me, that repair and then coming into relationship with them and all of the synchronistic magic that occurs once you start, I mean, they really, and I've worked with many, many people now over the years, um, just sharing my practices of really simple practices, really basic practices of like talking to your ancestors and yeah. feeding them and um, making an altar for them and doing research about them. And, and it is incredible what happens because yeah. it lives in you. So if you are seeking root, if you are seeking purpose and path, if you are seeking to understand more about what you're here to do in this life, I think ancestral work is for you. Uh, not mm. only that, but we need to know how to live on this earth and how to live with each other. And there is a repository of ancestral memory in every lineage tradition that lets us do that, that teaches us how to remember to be together as humans and with the planet. And I think that that is another really good reason to do ancestral work. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm. like, since I've been doing some ancestral work, since we spoke with our guest and Elias, um, I have been feeling this awareness of me as something so much bigger than me, you know, like, like before I would be more like a leaf and now I feel more like a tree and even like a forest, you know, it's so beautiful. So I, I wonder, mm. could you maybe share with our listeners and us, um, some simple practices for getting started with ancestral healing or ancestral connection? Sure, you bet. The, the primary thing that um, I, I love to remember is that our ancestors are our beings, they are people, they are, you know, and, and of course I extend ancestry, I'm an animist, an animist. <laughs> just try and say that at 8.30 in the morning. Um, so ancestors are plants and animals and elements. They are not just people, but they are all living beings and responsive to relationship. So the first thing you can do is introduce yourself and say, hello, and I'm here. And you can do this in a simple ceremony, or um, I love to teach epistolary writing. I'm a writer. So writing letters to the ancestors mm. is a really great tool. Um, my writing practice is I write to someone or something every morning and then wait and let them write back to me oh. through automatic writing. And that can get some really good information. Mm. I love that. It, it's been really a wonderful way to listen mm -hmm. to what they're, they're asking and um, they love to be fed. They love, you know, if you have ancestral beverages and you might start with your known ancestors, though that can be really challenging for a lot of people. We have so much lineage trauma in our most recent generations that can be tough. But if you do have good relationships with grandparents or great grandparents or 
feel some resonance with them. If they had an ancestral drink or an ancestral food, you know, like coffee is the big one in my family, very simple or oatmeal. Um, I always make a little extra and just put it out on the altar for them to ritually eat simple things that you would do with your human kin, that you would do with your best friend, that you would do with your children. Those are all practices that you can embody with ancestral intention and to start bringing into your awareness and then watch what happens <laughs> because they do start showing up. <laughs> well, this is something I'm glad you brought that up about it can be challenging because um, I do, I mean, I speak to um, dead, uh, those not in body. I always feel weird calling them dead because they aren't dead. not quite <laughs> yeah, accurate. They don't have bodies um all the time and and I have been doing this work with my my I have a small family like I only know one person from my dad's side of the family but my mom's side of the family I know a handful of them and so I have been working with them and it has been really helpful but at the same time when she was in body it was very difficult to get along with <clears throat> my that whole family was um and um I did such good work setting boundaries with them so for me it gets really confusing working with them because even though I our relationship is very different I always say since my mom died we get along great <laughs> It's like, she is very different and we're, it is different, but then at the same time, I'm like, uh, the boundaries feel weird because it does feel like I'm murdered or like, where am I taking responsibility that isn't mine and all of that. So do you have any thoughts about that? <clears throat> That's such a difficult one. I love that. First of all, I just want to acknowledge that you have a relationship, even though it's it's challenging. Um, a lot of people turn away from those relationships, mm. not recognizing that when people are, when they do pass into the dead or the not embodied part of their existence, yeah. it, things do really change. And <clears throat> yeah, but I've found it helpful to connect with more deeper ancestors, older ancestors through meditation and through practice to help bolster me in relating to the more recent ancestors, mm -hmm. because okay. they have information that my recent ancestors either sought to actively suppress mm -hmm. or, you know, sometimes through violence or, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, excluded, eliminated from the lineage to protect. I just talked about this in a class yesterday. Mm -hmm. I think our ancestors, especially <clears throat> around things like magic or witchcraft or, you know, the occult, they, um, it was so dangerous for people to exist with any sort of connection to that magic that there is kind of a protectiveness that happens in our lineages. And that's mm -hmm. why it can be really hard to connect to these practices. And I found that by going further back and really deepening with those ancestors, it's helped support some of the repair necessary in the more recent generations and circumvented some of the, the psychic protections, I think that were put in place to try and mm. keep us safe. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? Is that through research? Or are you just energetically calling them in if you don't know who they are? 
It's a combination. So research is helpful in knowing at least where your people come from a little bit about them, but it's not mm -hmm. necessary because again, they okay. live inside of you. So mm. traveling into the, the other realms in meditation has been really useful. I love to use journey work to connect with the ancestors. I have a couple of meditations that are in um, classes in fact, mm -hmm. I put them all over the place because they're really helpful. Um, the grandmother's meditation is one. It's in my book. It's in the, the wild soul school classes. And it's just descending into the lower world and spending some time with the feminine ancestors in your lineage and seeing who comes forward mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. making offerings to them and then mm -hmm. receiving information from them mm -hmm. and can be really powerful. So mm -hmm because they, they are right there. They're inside of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Since I have started, so I started working with my grand, my four grandparents, like that's mm -hmm. where I've started. That's kind of where I've stayed. And, um, I, so I have an altar with their pictures and I light them candles and I say their names and I've been learning more about them. And I've started to feel like that's me. Like that was me a long time ago. That mm. was me and that was me and that was me and that was me, all four of them. <laughs> and then it's like kind of like, oh, the ways that they were challenging, it was more to my parents they were challenging than me. They were my grandparents. So I was kind of, I like heard about the ways they were challenging yeah. more than I experienced it. I sometimes experienced it, but, um, but it's kind of like looking at my own past, like, oh yeah, I wasn't perfect because I had some challenge, like finding compassion for myself based on what I went through. So then I'm like, oh, wow, they were, it was like a harsher time for them. You know, there were, there wasn't a lot of like things that they could learn in various, like there just was less, yeah. like they couldn't Support. connect to their magical beings as easily. And, you know, so, um, so it's become kind of, yeah, more like a personal way of, loving myself or having compassion for myself to connect with them. Mm, love that. That's really one thing I, yeah. One thing I noticed I did um, one of your meditations um, from the class that I thought was really interesting was the further back because you call in, in one of these meditations, like 500 years pass and a thousand years and, and, well, I had two thoughts about that, but one was that I've actually found the further back, the lighter they were, like mm. it was like less heavy. Um, but then also part of me was like, well, I believe in reincarnation. So some, a lot of these may be repeaters. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, do you, I'm wondering what you think about both those things, the lightness and that. That's been my experience too. I just did a meditation yesterday where um, we went way back into old European civilization and everybody was, you know, a lot of the systems of oppression that we experience today were not in existence in, uh, in that, in the culture I was visioning with them. Um, uh -huh. They were absent and that's one of the great joys of, of getting to go so far back is recognizing that things have not always been this way, that things that we just assume are mm. solidified around us actually are just invented fairly recently in human history. Mm. So I think that's really powerful and accurate. And yes, I do think that there are repeaters and that's really an interesting, I 
now I want to explore that. Um, I've been reading about death traditions in Northern Europe, and mm -hmm. there is a lot of evidence to show that, of course, there were perspectives on reincarnation and, um, and those were eventually very, uh, I want to say violently, but maybe just uh, stringently suppressed that idea mm. of reincarnation. So there mm. might be ancestors who don't even know that that's what they were doing because mm. they weren't allowed to, they weren't allowed to, to know that or experience that. Oh, that's interesting. So they're kind of there, but don't know that there's more of mm -hmm. them, so to speak. That's really interesting. So in your work, do you, um, do you like connect with things that ancestors have gone through and then heal them, help to heal them in yourself, like heal patterns in this generation, in your current incarnation? I try to, uh, that's the weird work we talked. Oh, okay. Yes. The weird work, the weird work, W Y R D, um, is really looking at the web of weird, the web of all life. And mythically that web is spun or woven by these ancient beings, sometimes called the, the Norns or the fates, um, these, the triple giantesses who, um, who have responsibility for all of us as we enter this life. And, and so, you know, knowing uh, even a little bit about science, we know that everything's connected energetically. So it makes sense that then there's this vibrating energy that infuses all. And in meditations, um, if you are working with the web of weird, you can actually go in and start to see where there may be knots or tears and, working with your ancestors, or I like to work with the Nornir or the, um, the feminine in my lineages, the spinners and weavers to try and do some of that repair and seeing where it connects into you, into your body. Because of course we do carry those patterns, but sometimes we can't even see them. So yeah. that's yeah. for sure yeah. one of the ways. So that myth is that, um, or the image of that is weaving like a, a constant weaving of like a tapestry of destiny right mm -hmm. yes. which i think is also like the akashic the akashic records or the akashic field kind of a similar vision there is a, a the myths of the spinners and weavers are the world over yeah. that's mm -hmm. one of the wonderful things the the weavers of fate the spinners of fate um you know you can find them in so many traditions yeah so there's something really powerful there yeah i love that so you work with that in meditation and journeying to yeah mm -hmm. interesting i haven't i i want to do more of that looking at it that way because I usually work just directly with them one on one, you know, and then like, for instance, I'll give my mother back a pattern that it wasn't mine kind of, and then she gives it to her, you know, it goes down the line like that and then send it to light and source. Um, like unweaving it. What? But like you're unweaving it, like you're pulling the thread out oh, of yeah. the pattern. Yeah. Yeah, so that's like another way of doing that. 
without using that imagery. But I love looking at that imagery because then you really can address it. Like, oh, I see this hole here. What's that about? And maybe see who steps forward. Mm -hmm. Would that be something? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. That's so beautiful because now that we have computers and coding and everything, I think of the Akashic field as coding. But I feel like at that time, the image of weaving like all of those little details and then the patterns, I mean, it's equally appropriate, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to also ask you about, you mentioned ritual in the classes being so important to you. And um, I wanted, wondered if you could talk a little bit about how that plays into this work, but also just in general, how you create that. Oh yeah, ritual is central to everything for me. Um, I have a pretty significant physical disability, so um, I live with a chronic illness and uh, ritual has been one of the ways that I'm able to structure sacredness into a life that can sometimes be very limited and small. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I, everything done with intention is ritual. And then I talk a lot about ritualizing the routine, like making into ritual the things you do already, which is very ancestral, by the mm -hmm. way, because mm -hmm. just the lived experience of everyday life was ritualized. Songs were sung, you know, mm -hmm. words were incanted. Um, and it can be for anything. It can be brushing your hair, brushing your teeth. Of course, preparing food, very sacred, um, eating food. So I really try to create a rhythm of intention around my day that lets me live ritually so that I'm not finding myself at the end of the day going, oh, I wish I would have done my ritual. <laughs> um, so what does that look like? Like, yeah, what does that look like in terms of like brushing your hair, brushing your teeth? just really bringing intention, infusing intention. So I might take a breath and just speak some words of intention into my hairbrush before mm. I brush my hair mm. and then removing the hair from the brush and taking it outside and giving it to the earth rather than just throwing mm. it away. Oh. Um, and then closing the ritual with another word or phrase of intention. Um, you know, really letting the brushing be a blessing, asking for that infusion of blessing. Hair is very ancestral, um, mm -hmm. as all of our ancestral information is encoded in our hair. So wow. just having that awareness and letting it build out, anything can become, everything is sacred. So mm -hmm. it's really just letting ourselves participate in that sacredness. Yeah. And you mentioned too, making some extra oatmeal for your family, yes. mm -hmm. for your ancestors and putting that on your altar. I love that. I yeah. always do that accidentally anyway. And I realized <laughs> that it was for them. I was like, oh, it's for the ancestors. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I love that. Well, do you have any kind of last thing, like some, anything else you want to share that you think may be important? Oh, one thing I will say that comes to mind as I ask you that is I wanted you to just mention, or I wanted to mention that you also look at, maybe you already said this, but like the earth as our ancestors oh, yeah. and, and plants and yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. I think that extending that is really helpful, especially for folks who are struggling with some of their lineage wounds or with a lot of ancestral trauma. It can feel scary to go into the human ancestors and start working with them right away. So sometimes looking at plants and animals and places, elements as ancestors can feel more gentle and start to open the receptivity to the Mm -hmm. kinds of ancestral information that's in there. Yeah. Can I ask I one do. more question? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I do have a cat altar. So my question is, so you mentioned that once you start to work with the ancestors and create the altar and everything, how you said, watch what happens. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was actually really sparked my curiosity. So I wonder if you can maybe share like an example of some of the results that you experience from working with your ancestors. Oh, oh gosh, there's so many. Um, I'm going to struggle with a specific example because there are so many. So we're, mm-hmm. um, I'm teaching a class right now, the wild soul runes class. And a lot of the class is not so much about the runes just yet for folks who are new. It's really about building those ancestral relationships and recognizing the runes as ancestors. And so, you know, folks who are attracted to the runes for whatever reason, <clears throat> but say, you know, oh, I don't have any of this heritage. I don't have any of this lineage. Then come to find out that they actually do or that the runes are present in in another lineage, in another tradition outside of Scandinavia or the Germanic. And, um, or uh, I had a person that I was working with who um, they, received a package when we were working together from an aunt unsolicited that like gave them direct information about their ancestors going back in Scotland all the way. Just things start to happen when you open the doors and open the portals and to the point where you're like, are you kidding me? Is Uh this actually real? (laughs) Because it does, it feels like I'm just making this up, but why, why would it be any other way? We know yeah. that ancestors are so important in pretty much every prehistoric spiritual tradition. Yeah. Ancestors are central living traditions today that don't have, you know, are not connected to, well, even those that are, that are syncretic with the historical traditions, ancestors are still so important. Well, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have had uh, since I've been working with my grandparents, like I'll just, it's like, I have these currents of experience or thought that I'm like, Oh, that's Papa Harry. Like this is Papa (laughs) Harry's experience of nature that he's like sharing with me right now. Or my grandma Cece, I've talked about her with like business stuff and, um, like buying a house, investing, like she'll, she has stuff to tell me and it like comes through and then it's me too. It's me and it's her. It's so interesting. Oh, okay. I have a good example I just thought of, which is the (laughs) automatic writing practice that I talked about, which I've been doing for years and years and years before I did any ancestral work. I've been doing this letter writing practice. I'm a writer. So that's my writing practice in the morning Mm -hmm. when I drink my cup of coffee, I started ritualizing it, making it a spiritual practice. I was writing to goddesses for a long time. And then I started writing to my ancestors 
I went to visit my, my grandmother's house. My grandmother had passed away with my aunt and my mom, and we were going through some of her family things. And we found a book that was written by her great aunt, who was a spiritualist. And it's all automatic writing, the entire thing is channeling. And I was like, oh, so this is part of my ancestral practice. I didn't Uh, even know. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I have an aunt that was a spiritual, my dad's great aunt, Het, that he always talks about, that she was Mm. always telling him about reincarnation and stuff when he was a little boy. Mm, That's cool. Well, thank you so much, Laura. It's been so great talking to you. Um, can you tell us, tell our listeners where they can find you? And um, you have a new book out. Is that right? I do. Yeah. The Wild Soul Runes book, Reawakening the Ancestral Feminine. And it has a lot of ancestral work and recommendations in it if folks are interested. That sounds great. Yeah. And then I have the wild soul school, which all the classes are by donation. So there's no yeah. paywall for almost every class. And wow. um, that's because it's supported by my patron community on Patreon. So that's another place where you can find me. And, and my website is laravesta.co. Great. One more before you go. Sun, moon, oh. rising. Sign. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Pisces, sun, mm. Gemini, moon, cancer, rising. Oh, oh. I like it. I'm wearing my Pisces shirt today. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Kurt Cobain and Rihanna. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. That. I'm a Pisces rising. That's, but I was clearly tuned in to what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again, Laura. So great to have you here. Thank you so much. It was really fun to join you. Okay. Well, we hope you loved our interview and i'm sure we did i have a good feeling about it (laughs) we haven't had the interview (laughs) um in this side of the time space continuum all right so now it's time for the energy report I did sing with James Taylor recently. So, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. He influenced yeah. me. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> so, the energy report is the energy trend that I'm feeling into for the week ahead that I get based on clients and the astrology and like on what I've been noticing the trend to be and in myself and others. And, um, you know, it's interesting because there's been almost everybody has had dad stuff come up. It's so interesting. And I don't know why that is. I mean, it could be Saturn. I asked Britain if she had any thoughts and she said, well, Saturn, Britain is their friend and full and I was a philosopher, astrologer. Um, <laughs> but um, she said there's a lot of Saturn is very activated right now, which I know that is true. So that could be, mm. um, but not even just dads. What I've noticed is a lot of responsibility themes coming up too, like um, feeling really responsible or feeling like start like questioning what is mine, 
what isn't mine for this person, like, or even knowing, like, that's not mine, but I'm having a hard time still <laughs> separating from it. Um, boundary like boundary stuff. stuff. Yeah. Or codependency. Both. Yeah, I'd say both. Yeah, all that. All that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Feelings of, um, you know, like, um, how do I put this without, uh, I don't want to tell any, well, I, you know, I'll just talk about myself. Like, I definitely have this with my dad for sure, where it's like, he doesn't ask for my help or anything. But to me, I feel it's old, old stuff of feeling like I'm responsible for his happiness. Like, if he were, mm -hmm. like, I wish I could help him in a certain way, or I feel obligated. I feel kind of like I've felt before this heaviness in my heart. I'm starting to do ancestral work with his side of the family, which is very new to me. Mm. I only know one person from his side of the family. His mom is the only person I've ever met. Um, I may have said this in the interview. I don't know. <laughs> but um, so that kind of, it's, it's heavy, though. It's real heavy. And I feel a lot of like almost maternal feelings for him. So it's that kind of feeling. But mm -hmm. a lot of the people that I saw were feeling less um, of that and more just like, I this is, doesn't feel good. I want to separate from this person who isn't being good to me. Oh. There's that too. So it's both. It kind of runs the gamut. And even with pets, actually, I've seen a few people who have felt like their pets have been sick and they are merging with their pets, meaning like they're feeling like, oh, God, which I feel all the time with my cats, like, oh, God, I, you know, this is all on me to heal them. And like, oh, God, right. if I do the wrong thing, that's going to end their life. And that's my fault. And, you know, yeah. a lot of that kind of thing with pets and people. So, yeah. Yeah, I will say, I, I won't go into details, but I will say I have been feeling mm -hmm. that also with my dad yeah. lately. My dad's always just like, yeah. he's a very isolated person. He doesn't accept help or want help, but I just have so much, like, almost see him like a little kid that I just like, oh, I wish I could have changed mm. things for you. But then also taking yeah. on too much because that is not mine and it feels heavy and that is something I've really realized I won't go too much into this but just like how heavy it is to take responsibility for things that are not yours even if you're well-meaning it's mm -hmm. it's like almost like the universe being like this is not your this is extra baggage it's not yours it's not yours and it can feel for me it feels almost like depression or like ugh, like ugh, it feels mm -hmm. bad um, and it feels very freeing to be like, oh, wow, no, that's not mine at all, even though I can have compassion for them. Yeah. But. <laughs> right. And even yes. support people. Like, it's not that it's not like you're implying that we should just give not up support on everybody in certain situations. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like, you know, supporting people in various ways isn't like no. necessarily codependent. It's more the mindset of like, this is my responsibility, how you feel. And that was actually Part of what I, I mean, I, I barely scratched the surface with yeah. all the things I was experiencing when I visited home, but that was part of it was like that inner mm -hmm. critic work that I've been doing that, I mean, we've just kind of started mm -hmm. talking about in the podcast. It was really beautiful for spending time with my family because I could see that, like that had always been tied up, that codependent mm -hmm. feeling with love mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. since I was a kid. Like both my parents, I kind of got that message of like, even though you're a kid, 
It's your responsibility to help me feel better, to help Mm -hmm. me feel, you know what I mean? So I had that coupled was like, oh, if you really, really love someone, then you probably are not doing a good enough job of being their, their sister or their daughter or whatever. But this time I was able, like I could notice that inner critic and just be like, what else? I mean, yeah. I love this person. That's yeah. all. That's I'm going to love them. And I'm going to, if they want help and I want to give yeah. that help, I will give it. But I don't have to keep on also beating myself yeah. up for not, you know, making everything run, making sure they're yes. happy in every yeah. moment. Yeah. Oh, I was literally, my mother, my mother used to say to me, you are a really good therapist as like a 10 year old. Like you oh. were really, you said a lot of smart, yeah. like helpful things. So it was like definitely my job. Like, yeah, I like how you put that. Like, yeah, it did feel tied. Like that loving with some loving somebody. Like if you're not pleasing them in every moment for me, anyway, like making them be okay. Or if you do something opposite, oh my god, opposite of what they want, then you're betraying them. You have betrayed yeah. them. And then you're a bad person. Yeah. Yeah, it was always, I mean, as a kid too, I had that, I like felt special. That was like, oh, I'm I'm the only person who understands my mom and I'm the only person who understands my dad and they, they confide in me and like it made me feel special, but it also made me feel like. Oh, they just um, keep being sad. Like, I'm um, not doing a good job of yeah, I didn't feel fixing this. But I did feel like, because for me, it was like every moment. It was like, what am what the, the new moment my mom's disappointed. I guess I did feel that it was, it mm-hmm. felt like it was my fault. Maybe it didn't think of it as a job. I mm-hmm. think that might be the difference between a Virgo and a Pisces rising <laughs> or Capricorn right. moon Pisces rising it just felt like oh what now this is all my fault it's all on my shoulders on my heart really so this is a long way of mm-hmm. saying that what one thing I found I ended up saying to a bunch of people this week that seems to be important to hear is this idea of if you know ahead of time that you're going to be talking to somebody that you're feeling this way about, this importance of taking care of yourself beforehand, before you have the phone call, before you have the interaction. Um, I've ended up calling it (laughs) pre-gaming, like doing like a, you know, like really preparing yourself before. Okay. Yeah, like exactly. a Rocky montage exactly. being really because what <laughs> ends up happening if you don't do that is you have to perform. Uh, it's like um, it's just a mess. It ends up being like triage, like, OK, where's the blood? How do I stop the bleeding? <laughs> Let's get the, you know, figure out mm-hmm. like what my inner child is in a mess. I feel like staying in bed all day. But if you've prepared before, then you won't have that situation. So it can be as simple as being aware throughout, calling your energy back to you before, feeling a real sense of grounding, a real sense of like, um, okay, feeling your feet on the floor. How do I feel in my body right now? Saying hello to your inner child. Sometimes when I talk to certain family members, I talk to my inner child throughout. You know, if I'm having a hard time, let's say with my dad, while we're on the phone, I'm like, hi, hi. Like, I just got to check in with her. If I can feel myself like 
getting tight or if I feel myself, oh, am I fawning right now? Like, I'll just be like, oh, hi, I love you. I'm here. Like, I just kind of check in. Um, But before that is also really important. Now, it does get a little complicated because this is something that I actually maybe already put on Instagram in the future, but I was going to put this on Instagram that it's it's very hard or maybe impossible to stay grounded and centered and feel responsible for somebody at the same time because your energy will be going into Mm -hmm. their space if you're feeling responsible for them. Um, So it's really a tricky thing because you can call your energy back and you should be like, okay, hi, energy. Um, Hello. Say hello to yourself from the center of your head. But if underneath it's that you feel like, oh God, I have to take care of them. Your energy is just going to keep going back in there. So just to, that's, uh, if you have time to do deeper work with looking at that part, which I can't fully go into here, but like, I will just say that, yeah, some kind of checking in parts work and a child work where you can examine where you feel responsible. You can read Codependent No More. It's a great book. Codependency books mm-hmm. are great to read for this. Um but really diving into your needs and the underneath part of it um, before you have the interaction. So that like Tess did a lot of work with the inner critic and stuff so that when she was there, it was like, oh, I can feel free. I don't feel responsible. I just feel free to enjoy this. That would be ideal. But if you yeah. don't have time or you just even checking in with your, just keep calling it back to you. Keep saying hello to yourself. Keep loving that little part of you that's feeling responsible. It doesn't have to all be healed today. But it's just this idea of like, oh, I'm here. I see you. This is hard. You know, supporting yourself throughout um, yeah. will be really helpful if you can get into that do a chakra clearing before um if you can get into that before you have the interaction so that's my advice yeah and you know what that's reminding me that during quarantine something that also informed this like more enlightened visit with my family was um a book did you also read the book adult children of emotionally i haven't read it yet but it is on my nightstand because i highly recommend this too like if you feel um like the, what we've been saying about parents, like kind of disconnecting from the unhealthy codependency. Mm-hmm. Um, if that resonates with you, I highly recommend this book. It just like it's so validating. Yeah, it's so um, like it helps you just see yeah. these patterns, and it even helps you have compassion for everybody involved. It's not. Saying, it sounds yeah. kind of insulting to your parents, but <laughs> it is like it does have compassion for them. Yeah, I'm saying yeah, even though I haven't read it, because just like being validated in this experience is so important. Because if you grew mm-hmm. up with codependency, then basically your experience was invalidated. It was about caring for other people. Um, yeah, in like yeah. the most receptive, formative <laughs> years of your life. That's right. So the feeling validated is so important. I also recommend like if you're dealing with an alcoholic like Al-Anon, those kinds of things can be very, very validating. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was the energy. Uh, that was so great. It was so appropriate. Yeah, right. Okay. Now it's time for Practical Magic. Okay. So this week, um, I have really been tuning into the star card in the tarot Mm. so the star card i've always loved the star card and i feel like when i've read the description of it it hasn't had 
I mean, this is makes sense. Just the kind of way I connect with the image and the magic of the star card is way deeper than mm-hmm. most descriptions. Mm-hmm. If not all, I haven't read all of them, but usually when I read the descriptions, it the description is healing creativity, healing and creativity. It's but also I'm also right associated with oh. Aquarius. Oh, okay. So, oh, okay. Like, yeah, it seems like it's more than that. Interesting, because mm-hmm. my dad and brother are both Aquarians. And so am I. And my podcast co-host. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget. <laughs> um, but yeah, the star card, it's, very, it's like renewing to me. And it's yes. also about aligning um, your inner and outer like your inner reality, your inner self with your outer expression in a way that is sacred. That's mm. how I tune into the star card. That's why it's so renewing because it's yeah. it's both shining your light and but doing it in a way that's deeply connected to your authenticity. And it's like water element and fire element, like radiating and then connecting to your flow. So that feels like something to concentrate on this week magically, you could take the star card out of your tarot deck and put it on your altar and meditate in front of it. Could do journaling exercises on what it means to you, like how it's showing up for you right now. I just want to say, um, sorry, I just want to say it's interesting because I was listening to, I believe, Molly McCord talking about the astrology this week and she was saying a lot of it is about connecting to your real purpose like why like yeah reconnecting and sounds similar to what you're saying yes yes that is what I'm tuning into like purpose and in definitely I feel like lately I've been tuning into making sure you don't you're not insulting yourself with that because I feel like saying what's my purpose is kind of like your your purpose is just to be here and you're you're already fulfilling it you know I mean she didn't have a purpose yeah she didn't say no but I think what she was saying was like what you really want, what you really need, like really like that. Kind and of thing. your authentic flow, like yes. what do you want to offer yeah. in a way that is aligned with you? And also something you said to me yesterday mm. um, about <laughs> hiding. Will you remind me of what it was like? Are you hiding or are you like following your intuition? Yeah. Oh, you- well, I was just saying that I had heard that if you're looking to um, expand in any area of your life and you're feeling kind of blocked or something look at where you're hiding yes yeah that and I feel like that is also aligned with this energy of like where where are you sort of hiding where do you feel uncomfortable how can you um kind of have compassion for that vulnerability but open it up in a way that feels like you're flowing with Mm. how you want to be in the world and what you want to offer and that is maybe may involve transcending some fears about being seen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i love it love that star Thanks. card i've always loved yeah. star imagery too and i found out when i found out it was related to aquarius that card i was happy i can't feel that the yeah. star card being an aquarius vibe all right well before we pick our cards we'll do our little housekeeping which is that you can find me at highestlighthealing.com you can schedule a session with me you can take one of my classes sign up for very the lists um and i'm on instagram at highest light healing i've been doing some videos inter um like showing how the parts interact so you may want to watch that 
and I'm also on Facebook. And you can find us at magicmondaypodcast.com. You can ask us a question on there. There's a little button to do that. You can find us at Magic Monday Pod on Facebook. Magic Monday Podcast listeners on Facebook as a little group. Um, and on Instagram, Magic Monday Podcast. And what and about you? You can find me at you can find me at TessWhitehurst.com. It's where you can find a lot of free spells and rituals, guided meditations, uh, all kinds of free stuff. And also you can find my online workshops and learn about my books. And you can find me on Instagram at Tess4444, on Twitter at Tess Whitehurst, on Facebook at Tess Whitehurst Author, and on YouTube at Tess Whitehurst. Great. So what are you drawing from today? Well, I still haven't <laughs> taken the Starseed Oracle off of my desk. So that's what I'm going to be reading from again. Okay. And I, and I will yeah, be reading. Ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, I will don't. be reading from the Magic of Flowers Oracle, which I wrote. You sure did. And you can find that on your website. Yep. Or on Amazon. Whatever you want to do. So I So what did you draw? Yeah, I picked lifting the veil, which mm. is questioning everything. Anything unaligned must go. Things aren't always as they seem. This era is one of uncovering mistruths so we can remember ancient truths. Oh, that sounds very ancestral. Everything mm. is in a state of recall and realignment. Anything that isn't in harmony with the planet will not survive. This goes for society and the world at large, as well as in our own lives. If you pull this card, you're being called to energetically scan your life for things that may no longer be a vibrational match for who you are now, who you are and how you've grown. To dismantle the systems and ways of being that once served you and others, but no longer do. Some of us are here to lift the veil between the seen and unseen worlds, to shine a light on things that are inauthentic or unaligned with the survival and well-being of Earth, to stand for and protect those who don't have a voice, to look deeper and question everything that previous generations did not. You're being called to trust yourself, notice what's out of alignment, and then take the baby steps required to bring it back into harmony. This is no easy feat, but it's so worthwhile, both individually and for the planet. So the question is, what isn't congruent in your life? How are you being called to bring it back into harmony? Mm, and that's like the energy report too, like uh, aspects of relationships that are not authentic or yeah. not healthy to let go of them. That's true. Yes. And figure out what's in alignment for you. What are you yep. actually responsible for? And that does lift the veil to love, to just love. That's true. Just in relationships. Yeah. Okay. So I drew morning glory, which I feel like is aligned with the star card. I mean, there's mm. morning glories are like stars. And the colors, there's like that energy of morning glory is like the star card to me. Mm. But the card is called Awaken to Magic. Awaken to the magic of life. Magic is within you and all around you. Granted, things may seem stale, boring, or mundane on occasion, but be aware that this is the illusion, not the reality. In reality, only magic is real. Even if a magical mindset currently seems like an insurmountable leap from where you are now, know that the magic hasn't forgotten you. Um, so 
it goes on in this way. So, (laughs) (laughs) so pay attention to even just like, you know, things like I love to just step outside in the morning before I have coffee or turn on my phone or anything, just look outside and hear the sounds of the outdoors Mm. and tune into that stuff like that. Just taking a moment to notice the beauty and the magic all around you in the present moment will help you align with all the other stuff we've talked about for this week Mm. in the podcast. I love it. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. See you next time. Have a beautiful week. our days what 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 what